to Hashtag Single with Jeanette Bonner. I am not a relationship expert or sex therapist. I'm just a regular New York City woman navigating the world as a single, independent feminist. Hashtag Single is about having honest conversations with other singles in today's device-obsessed culture. So I hope you'll join me on this interesting, challenging, and complex journey as we navigate the ins and outs of singledom. Welcome back to Hashtag Single. I am Jeanette Bonner, your host. Happy quarantine, everyone. Um, I hope everyone is holding up out there. I know this time has been super hard, not only in the disruption of our day-to-day lives, but psychologically and emotionally. Um, I myself especially have been struggling with the lack of true human, human connection outside of social media and even in just using my voice out loud every day as my work has been canceled and eliminated. So it was important to me to continue the podcast, both for myself and for others who may be missing their community right now. And um, when it came down to it, I realized that making the podcast brings me joy and I needed something to enjoy doing right now. So. So that brings us to this very special coronavirus episode of Hashtag Single. Um, If you're single, you're probably wondering, like me, what the hell to do about dating right now. So I have with me a really cool guest that I'm so excited to talk to. Please join me in welcoming Clarissa Silva. Clarissa, thank you so much for being on Hashtag Single with me. Oh, thank you so much. It's a true honor. Just in case any of you guys are um, nervous, Clarissa and I are not in the same room. Clarissa, where are you actually calling in from? Birmingham. Oh, okay. Great. Fantastic. Um, So Clarissa is a behavioral scientist, researcher, and relationship coach with 18 years of experience in mental health, behavioral science, and public health. She was trained as a scientist and researcher at the University of Michigan, where she received the prestigious National Institutes of Health Ford slash Fogarty Fellowship. She has been featured on a ton of media outlets, including Fox, NBC, HuffPost Live, ABC, and CBS, and internationally on Yahoo Japan, Cosmopolitan Italy and Netherlands, Vice Germany and Colombia, and MSN Spain. She is known for her technique called Your Happiness Hypothesis, the first ever disruptive relationship technique and method, which um, I would love to get more into with you further on. So. Um, <laughs> Your background is actually as a behavioral scientist that specialized in infectious diseases. Tell me more about that. How did you transition from that into relationship coaching? Sure. Before becoming an entrepreneur, I was working in the HIV AIDS epidemic for 15 years. So one of the one of the greatest things about working in HIV is the amount of impact that you have in your daily life, right? But I also realized that I was sacrificing myself along my career. Hmm. So I started looking at the aspects of my life that were just not even evolved, non-existent, right? Because I was dedicated to my career and I'm an all-in kind of person. I, I didn't... You know, work-life balance wasn't something I ever even thought of till recently, right? So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I kind of just took a 
I, I kind of was criticizing myself and making fun of myself and looking at the aspects of my life that weren't there. Right. So yeah, my career was skyrocketing. I was doing all this great stuff, but I didn't really have a life. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I lost my mom. And when I lost my mom, you know, nothing like taking a sharp look at what you have and don't have anymore. You yeah, know what I mean? it really makes you reset. Sure. So I think losing my mom made me question how much happiness did I really have in my life, right? Like if only one aspect of myself was happy, that didn't really mean happiness. So I took that and started thinking about, you know, I'm 39 and single and I'm looking at all the things I've done wrong using all of like dating sites and everything that I could. I'm, I'm born and raised in New York. It's not a shortage of people in New York. So I just started really looking at myself critically. And then that's when I started really focusing on my tongue in cheek blog called you're just a dumbass.com. <laughs> that's first of all, is that blog still available? And yes. I'm, yes. I don't know why that didn't come up in my research for you. That is amazing. I need to watch that. <laughs> right. So it was, it's a blog where I was just chronicling my own dating experiences, my own. Not unlike hashtag single. Oh my God. I love that we're connecting over this. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. So there I started sharing theories and I started, I, I, built my own algorithm because I was so frustrated with the dating sites and what I was yielding. So I decided there, all of this is wrong and this approach might be better. So I started testing out my algorithm and at the final phase of my algorithm and it's ready to, to really be completely out. The algorithm led me to my husband. Oh my God, what? Yeah. Science yeah. is real. Yeah, science is you, real. Yeah. <laughs> you have to share that with us um, at the end of this episode. Would you mind? Would you please? Sure, sure. Yeah, because I, I mean, I definitely want to get into like dating and singleness with you, uh, um, certainly. But I'm, the reason I brought you on the podcast specifically is because you authored an article for Thrive Global called COVID-19 times dating according to behavioral science. And so I want to first point out that the article is published on March 10th, which I don't want to say it was like early on, but a lot of restrictions hadn't been put in place mm -hmm. yet. I myself was still working, you know, so like what patterns were you seeing two weeks ago that inspired you to write this article back then? So uh, I'm an infectious disease specialist, right? So I was already looking at the impact of COVID-19 as a pandemic, and I was just tracking a lot of the disease containment measures that other places were, were utilizing, and I started just making some predictions about what will occur in the dating mm. space. Mm -hmm. right? 
because I think, you know, the first thing will be panic and disruption, right? And not every state is implemented standard universal strategies. So it's like, you know, two states are leading here, you know, another five are still lagged. So it's not like, it's not like you could sit there and say, you know, well, since we're all under this universal measure, you know, we could easily say, oh, let's track, let's mm-hmm. track certain outcomes all simultaneously. Right. right. So, you know, my practice was getting tons of this paranoia and panic happening, you know? So early, early into, um, early into just the spread were people already panicking prior. So then I just started, started examining like, all right, yeah, sure. You're going to institute video, video, um, dating, right? You're going to institute all these different kinds of things. You're going to re-strategize, right? The year happiness hypothesis method was, well, it emerged out of my own failures that I thought were my own failures, but I knew that I wasn't the only human being on earth that was instituting any of these patterns, right? Right. So the, so the happiness hypothesis method is what guides my practice. And I created a a special six week program. So we started getting, we started having to re reevaluate some of the way we were delivering the six week program, or even if there would be, you know, need for us to continue or pause it. Right. So. So so you were just sort of anticipating based on what's happened in other countries where dating might go. (laughs) <laughs> if if the nope. pandemic reached the levels that we've reached. Nope. I was looking at HIV AIDS and what happens there to human oh, behavior. Wow. Right. Okay. I was sitting there saying, you know, one of the one of the things that I argue in the article is if we look at the HIV AIDS epidemic, there is one thing that we all knew, even if we didn't live through it. We all knew about the risk about unprotected sex, right? So I don't know if you're aware, but the latest CDC epidata shows that 50% of the new STD cases are for 15 to 24 year olds in the US. Okay. So that means that we had two generations of unprotected sex risk knowledge, yet we see the spike in cases. So right. now now let's not even examine what is currently happening, but let's look at the height of, of HIV, right? It's and, and AIDS. We didn't see a quick downturn in cases, right? We saw spikes for a number of years, right? So when I started thinking about like really uh, human behavior during this time, let's look at non-compliance. Let's look at mm-hmm. what will really be impacting. So we have to figure out methods to, to to have people still be safe and still, you know, fulfill their desire. Because uh, seriously, what we learned from from HIV is when it comes to dating and the desire to find love, People are apt to take more risks and finding love and that desire for love will outpace any epidemic. 
Sure. Or I think like, I, I mean, I think that word non-compliance is really essential because when people feel at risk, they're more apt. It's sort of this really interesting paradigm that they're more apt to be seeking human connection um, at right. greater risk. Meaning like if I'm going to die in two weeks, I want to be spending it with with a partner in an intimate way. I want to be surrounded by love. So, you know, fuck everything else that becomes the most important thing, even if it might not be the safest choice at the time. You will still have non-compliance in, in every population at every time sure. because, because you just, you know, removing choice from people Right. It's hard, especially in American society, where you go into a, you go into a store looking for detergent and you have seventeen thousand options. You know what I mean? Now we're walking to stores. There's no detergent, <laughs> like <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's so. I mean, that's so interesting. I hadn't even thought about how people would react if they. F I mean, we saw how people reacted when they felt that whole like. Uh, fear of scarcity, right? When people felt like their choices were being taken away from right. each other, or even just like the options that hold toilet paper yeah. run, if you will. So like that, how people's behavior changes when they fear as if they no longer have control. Right. But in, in, you just described the same thing that's occurring for behavior, right? So you'll have, so what people let's just look at selfish type hoarding behavior. One family buys out the whole row of toilet paper that, that, that whole shelf is gone because of one person. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so it's that same mentality that keeps fueling non-compliance. It's like, mm, I'm going to do this and I'm, you know, like this, nothing else or risk matters to me because there's some people that just conceptually don't want to accept it. And then there's people that just conceptually don't really perceive risk. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Which I was just talking about this with a friend the other day when it like, it, I, you know, I live in New York city and you just can't stay in your apartment all day. So, you know, as we've been encouraged right. here, we've been going out on walks. Right. And when you go out on walks, everyone over 25 is like wearing a mask and keeping six, six feet of distance and everyone under 25, not wearing masks, hanging out in groups, playing basketball in the parks. And I was saying, you know, they were saying there's been a spike in cases in this uh, age group. And I, yeah. I think it's really, I mean, it just goes in pair with the fact that when you're that age, you have that sense of immortality. And also there's a stronger sense of rebellion. That's sort of like, well, now that there's rules, I don't, I don't want to abide by those. Yeah. Rules. I remember feeling that way when I was that age. Like, so sure. those, those two things combined at the same time, you're going to have a really interesting set of data for behavioral science. Human behavior is so predictable and human behavior <laughs> like doesn't change just because now we're facing this like any epidemic you know it's like it's like when people are like oh my gosh you know maybe in one month's time and, I, and I'm like what epidemic in history has only lasted a few months now True. what pandemic has only lasted a couple of weeks right yeah. like Ugh. I I think we have to be more realistic about what we're doing and how we're doing it. And you have to start creating strategies, accounting for non-compliance, right? Which, which many have, right? But mm. 
but I mean, that's anyway, that's not that's not really the focus. The focus is what we're doing about like what we're seeing for for dating. Right. So we predicted a higher use of video and we were sure. able to talk to a few a few of the dating apps and they certainly reported an uptick in all of their video. Right. Sure. And and even like so I, I thought some of the some of the funniest things is like the pickup lines that people were using, you know, like teasing about being Corona free, you know, or sharing. Wait, so I have sharing. to ask you about this because yeah. it, in your article, so you spoke to OkCupid's global communication manager, Michael K about K, the changes yeah. that they were seeing in dating behavior. And he mentioned that there was a 188% increase in coronavirus mentions on profiles between January and February. It's public knowledge. If you put something like listed as profile. Corona. Yeah. Right. So that makes okay. That makes things. a little more. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, Big Brother really is watching. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> that makes I a little more. Sense. I can't speak to what they're doing. You know. Sure. Yeah. Um, but, wait, I mean, hold on. I also have another question. Which which okay. dating apps allow you to use video? There. So I spoke to Vivek Jane at Loco. It's Loco for Love. It's oh. a video based dating app. Um, and it's co-founder is Norm McDonald, right? Shut so they, up. Yeah. Are you yeah, joking? Yeah. That, how did no. I not know about this? I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I have to look into this. This is amazing. Yeah. So their whole premise is you could go, that's where you should have your first date, right? Oh is through this video. Yeah. Right. Which I'm, I'm totally actually about. Um, there's a dating coach. I don't know if you're familiar with his work called Matthew Hussey. And he was saying, you know, like so many, he's responding to the fact that a lot of women were saying they go on, like the first date is such a dud. He's like, why aren't you at this day and age? Like you have the technology, you should be putting one more step in before you meet these people and give them your time and your energy, like have a FaceTime conversation and see if you actually want to you know, put on pants to like meet this human. <laughs> so you're wasting right. your Friday night. And I'm like, I love that idea so much. Like the phone, the phone call to me was always a little weird because, um, even with text or the same thing, like you can't really judge someone's, you can't get an energy exchange on a phone call. Like you can't see how they're responding to you. You can't see, if they're smiling or you can't really make eye contact, which I think are key elements of a first date. So I was like the first date, I mean, having a phone call before you meet, I always think feels a little weird, but having a video is really smart. I think. Right. Yeah. I think over eight years ago, I wrote an article how I was using hangouts on air, Google plus hangouts on air. To oh, screen my yeah, dates. Yeah. yeah. So I was doing, <laughs> I was doing that very thing and I found it to be more efficient. So I wrote up a whole article on the results and why I thought it would be more advantageous to do it that way. Right. So now when you have no choice, everybody's going to be integrating video into their platforms. Right. It's like, so that is going to become much more normative because we don't really know duration Duration of quarantine, we don't know. Duration of containment strategies, we don't know. And, you know, but certainly starting to think about things ahead of time, right, you know, could certainly help 
company structure plans, individual structure plans. So that's the reason that I said, okay, let's return back to infectious disease for a second. Let's go back and now start looking at what ways we could start preparing people for much more long-term planning, right? Like, and preparing people for, you know, daily life disruption and, Mm. you know, and just the stages of isolation and loneliness. You know, I think, you know, the greatest, the greatest part of what's going to occur now is like, you know, I mean, not the greatest part. I mean, like one of the largest impacts that will occur is mental health. Right. Like, oh, absolutely. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day because um, I think this, the thing that's most coming up with people right now, and I'm included in this since I live alone, is is loneliness. I mean, they say that yeah. New Yorkers are some of the loneliest people in the world, despite being surrounded by eight and a half million people, because it's one thing to be around people and quite another to be honestly Isolated. connecting with people. Mm-hmm. So in the same thing that we can feel like we're. I just had this in my last podcast. He was talking about, you can send someone a text and say, yeah, we're communicating, but you're not having human connection. So I don't know. I'm, I'm just so curious how, how do we prevent or address loneliness during social distancing? So that's, so those are some things that we're currently looking at and designing some interventions for. So luckily, I, there's a number of companies that are are so brilliant and forward thinking and stepping up and you know offering offering providers opportunities to disseminate service. And one of those companies is Magnify. Magnify is a on demand knowledge sharing. It's like it's like on all access portal to anything you'd need. You need a lawyer, you know, on demand by the minute. That's the kind of, that's the kind of service Magnify provides. All right, cool. They are currently in this, in a, in a beta for their entire knowledge suite. So we're, we've actually teamed up to offer different, different, you know, quarantine related anxiety sessions and, more like virus related mental health. So it's not clinical. Yeah. Right. So we're, we're in the beginning of a lot of these, you know, obviously we're doing, we, we're, we're going to be doing some quarantine related anxiety strategies and anxiety strategies that are brought on by the virus, not clinical. Right. But, um, so we're we're actually working on creating a lot of things that will address as we progress along in disease and the spread we're going to have a lot of things emerge that n- none of us could have ever sat down and planned totally right? yeah so as as we as we learn how people are coping and how things are 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 going along then we'll develop strategies so we're trying to do it as quickly as we can but you know things evolve quicker than what you could actually like try to plan an institute right everybody's at a different stage in their own anxiety mm. and everybody's at different stages in implementing strategies for themselves right totally. Totally. and and some are even still in this is this really an epidemic you know like there's, there's so, 
there's so many different things happening at the same time. So having everybody broadcast whatever whatever they want and nobody's listening to scientists is the part that that like irks me. The the type of strain we're gonna have on our healthcare capacity, period, is going to be tremendous, right? So if you look at mental health, like even if we have underestimates of of maybe like a, a portion of the population that will that will have mental health need and demand, girl, we don't have the capacity for people to provide that level of mental health, just like we right. don't have capacity to provide infectious disease specialists to, to dispatch anywhere, right? So we don't have, like, there's so many areas that we just don't have capacity. See, so then that's the other thing. I hate when people are like, oh, leading this, leading that, because really it's a, it's a cadre of people behind that one leading scientist. It is, it is areas and experts, not, not like, I think, well, first of all, we cannot look to behavioral scientists in the dating realm. I'm the only one. So we don't have a whole body of us in this yeah. thing. It's me. So we can't. <laughs> right? You got her, girl. Well, I'm glad you're with us. So <laughs> I found the one behavioral scientist who's an expert in dating and social social times of the pandemic. And, and infectious disease, right? So yeah, no kidding. So, so what I really, what I really think is this has to be a multi-pronged effort. I think dating apps need to start pairing up with social scientists to figure out different processes that they're, they're going to want to try to establish, right. With strategic planning with them, you know, and dating apps have one, I think one level of, of place right now, right? Like they're, I mean, obviously they're going to be the vehicle of how people communicate. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then I also think that there's so many other levels of things that have to happen, like dating coaches that can be, that can be trained in some kind of way to cope with real clinical stuff like loneliness, isolation. You know, I think there's, there should be a huge call for that out. And, and then I think, you know, people, people that see, no, so the, so the other part of this that's really disturbing is that all these coaches that are emerging and, and telling you that they could, they could provide service around pandemics. It just alarmed me. Right. Because again, the U S taking that i haven't seen it i have and you know and so i don't know i i would say just be an informed consumer you know everything with like like a new yorker does like with a little bit of suspicion and cynicism maybe right evaluate their credentialing evaluate their certification evaluate like their 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 ability to provide service sure of course because you you could spend a hundred dollars here or ten thousand dollars there, you should go out for the better use of your money instead of having to instead of buying overtime, you're spending thirty thousand on providers that just feel like they could get in the game because they got nothing else to do with right now in their lives. They're getting in the game. Yeah. Or or they've been in the game. Right. Or 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 they've been in the game and they really don't have any type of real like knowledge base or credentialing like you know i would just be very cautious about you know what i what i purchase and who i'm consuming information from 
you know, those things would matter more. But I think there's a role for there's a role for a lot of different portions of of different things within this sector because we're we're facing we're facing a lot of mental health in the future, mm-hmm. right? And now, right now, right? Like, so I don't know that like people that, you know, are offering dating coaching services, I don't know if you're equipped to deal with the level of paranoia and anxiety that's occurring. Plus, you don't really have a strategy for what they should do because you're you're used to only practicing based on doing online dating profiles or whatever you were offering as a service, you're not, you know what I mean? But I think we all have to adapt different, different things right now. And so, you know, and it's like, this would be a massive call to any graduate professional degree holding person, any skill that you have at this point, begin to create packages and begin to, to, to just share your knowledge and share your expertise and, and really help. Cause there's so many areas that we don't consider that we're going to need massive help with. A friend of mine sent out this this um this really realistic meme that I was like, you know, it's terrible that I'm like I'm I'm looking at this and saying, holy shit, yes. It said in 2020, those of you who didn't have anxiety, one will be assigned to you. And I was like, holy oh. I was like, that's terrible but a reality right so I don't know I don't know like see I don't I don't know what you know I don't know what will occur and what kinds of plans will be put in place and you know a lot of these things you know anything that's happened in the past with other epidemics you know it's it's kind of hard to say okay you know let's project this those strategies onto this one because we've tried in my article i talk about italy's strategy i talk about new york city's tb strategy and italy's failure was that they said that people were non-compliant right so it's not like oh my gosh we have no data to pick from there's data there right right well, do you have any like best tips and suggestions for behavior on dating apps during this time you have a number of a number of factors that lead you to make poor decisions. Well, that's not going to change just because we're in a quarantine. Like <laughs> that's, you know, like love and stupidity goes hand in hand. <laughs> like <laughs> so that won't right. So that won't change, right? So now all that changes, okay, okay, I have decision making tools to help you vet things, but it's gonna be on video. You could maintain a video video relationship. I mean, before I met my husband, he was in a different state. And in between me working and being able to travel or him, we were using video, right? So it's like, it's not like videos like, oh my God, it's, I hate it. Like a it's brand so... new technology, right? Right. Like, oh, like it, it serves long distance couples all the time, right? How long did you guys chat on video before you met in real life? Um, probably like, Ooh, two months. That's like a solid pandemic amount of time. Yeah. So you're saying like proof positive that it works, but we have to make smarter decisions about who we choose to 
connect with and chat with online, which we need, which we should be doing anyway, but probably now. Well, more than but, yeah, no, of course. But you know what happens when you have hysteria and boredom, you know what happens, right? Um, expectation. <laughs> well, no, you're going to get dick pics regardless, right? Like that's, Just that's lower not dick pics. Right. Look at that. But, but no, you know, people start picking on lowered expectation. So we settle more in times like this because your mental health and your outlook is low. So it's, right. it's aligning to this, you know, so, so I mean, and people stand like people's standards don't change, but when you have, when you remove, but like when you remove choice, right, your standards could be all, all the same, but now you're limited to just one format in one thing. And you might not be matching to the to the people you'd like, you know, or those people aren't responsive and you're still getting ghosted and you're still, you know, like you're at this point, you're just seeking connection. So right. the more and more, the more and more that happens, people make poorer and poorer decisions about who who could occupy their time because yeah. at that point it's just companionship. It's just who's there for me Absolutely. consistently and, and it's and a little if, more and it's a little more convenient like you could you could message someone from your couch at midnight whereas like uh you know me trying to get a guy i've been talking to to like meet me in real life was often the deal breaker because he right. never asked me out he never followed up with me he didn't reply yep. he canceled on me there were a million reasons that like took people out of the game for me when i've been dating just because yeah. the the distance between talking and meeting in real life was this gorge and now that's been eliminated I almost am afraid that I'm going to have less real conversations or re less real connections because of um, the ease of it. Like you can just pick up the phone and chat with me um, anytime as opposed to like making an effort to meet me in real life. Well, I mean, the level of ghosting is going to be the same, right? You like, think people are going to like ghost on video calls? Sure. Well, they'll oh, they'll God. ghost after. Yeah. I mean, oh, people sure. Are still, yeah, yeah, yeah. People are still evaluating based on, and they have okay. So nothing in society has trained people to not do these things, right? So yeah. you think just because oh they're supposed to show up on a video call and they don't? Well, yeah, you've been ghosted. Like I'm not. I wouldn't I'm not be ready for you, that level of. Well, but you like, should, but you have to, but you have to be, well, I mean, you have to be. And yeah. I mean, because now, now more than ever, your self-esteem can't take hits. Your self-esteem cannot take any blows now because there is nothing to redeem it. Okay. Like at least before you could go like, all right, this sucks. I've been ghosted 17 times this week or 17 times in one day. And then you go out with your friends, have a drink. And then randos will start like flirting with you. Right. Like you, you get, or, or your, your support network will be just like, Oh, you know, come on. It, this is just games of True. probability. Yeah, right. You, you won't have that. New lipstick. <laughs> yeah. No, you're a hundred percent. Right. Let me go get my, my cute shoes today. Let me go buy my little bag. Like, you know, all these little things, are going to be like, oh, yay, a UPS box arrived and it's outside. This is 
my new world. <laughs> There's going to be an uptick in online shopping of, of single women. Uh, <laughs> right. Not that there hasn't been already, but. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. Right. No, I mean, you're, you're like a hundred percent on the money when you just say like that there are ways that our society is going to change and develop that we a can't anticipate and just haven't seen yet because we don't, we don't know how this is going to alter itself even in seven days. Um, All right. I mean, you yeah. bring up things that I, I hadn't thought about like video ghosting, which is like a new Behavioral level of science, baby. <laughs> I'm not prepared for. I mean, if you let me ask you this, uh, since you are the number, the only expert in this field, um, if you were like, if you were to design an ideal dating app for this present moment, what would it look like? What elements would it have? Would it just be like what we have have already, and we have to adjust our own personal behavior, or is there something that the like the apps can be doing to improve this? I, I bring this up because um, where was it? There was a really interesting quote from um, your article. Oh, here uh, some of the suggestions in your article that the apps create games or prompts that are specific to quarantine periods. Um, I think that's so interesting. Any ideas around right. that? So, so just what I said, right? Like, so dating apps will need to do something more for their users as time goes on. So I, I said, you know, create games or prompts in your app, you know, so that way you could have, you could have people have a longer staying power in it and they could really measure compatibility, right? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what vehicle you use. You're just trying to find one person that's compatible and that you can tolerate and that you're going to find happiness with whatever methodology you use to get there. Right. is not going to really matter. Right. But now if you have people exhausting video and, you know, now it's seven days and their level of frustration is, is, increasing their compatibility is with people is still the same as it was before you have to imagine that users will just abandon that and just go go over to facebook and start facetiming they they'll use other because people will search everywhere i mean I mean, come on, what, what single thing don't people use? I mean, they use LinkedIn, they use everything. Yeah. Instagram Pe is really big with millennials. Right. Right. So you know, Snapchat, like people will move off dating sites to get their needs met. Sure. Right. Like, so you could, like, you'd have to imagine that you'd have to, you'd have to do different things to really assist your consumer. Right. And maybe I'm a behavioral scientist. Maybe that's what I think would be ideal. Uh, and, you know, maybe dating apps are just like whatever. You know what I mean? I don't. And so those are just the things that I would think. Because I'm looking at things like you are. Three months in, what what does that look like? Okay, you know, just one week of exposure to video. And, you know, it's not the people that would be ideal for you. And you're just settling. What is that going to do? Like, where's the staying power? Right. Yeah. So, so anyway, you know, so yeah, so the odd thing and cute thing is I developed my program based on an algorithm that I felt was going to be ideal and non-existent in the market. 
And that was eight you, years ago. You need to create a dating app for us. So I, I'm a scientist and I developed an algorithm. And everything that I did was based on me as the first subject and how much I failed and how much I sucked and doing all these things. And, you know, I mean, I got engaged when I was 41. Like, you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, wow, I have such a... I have such a cool story, people. Like, this really was, like, I was on a fast track. No, I was late in the game, and I was like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, this was decades of, you know, me just, uh, I, I hope it'll come. Right? Like, that's yeah, what you well, think. Yeah, well, that's where right. I'm at. I like episodes but, uh, that's, up. I started a podcast. <laughs> but that's but that's where we're all at. So the so the cool thing is I am I'm I am now uh gonna be incorporating new strategies into my my offerings. So I am still using my algorithm. Um so it's it's called the your happiness hypothesis and and you know i certainly have stuff on my on my blog i'm just going to ask for everybody's patience while i see i have to go through r&d with any new new program so i can have a, a hypothesis but if it's not tested i cannot release it it's just uh, it's unethical to me and it's <laughs> so so i am i'm currently in the lab trying to expedite as much as i can so there is a pre-enrollment option while I think this through and we, you know, re-modify the offering. Um, but, you know, it doesn't have to be you know, like either way, whether it's individual um, or a package. So I've pulled the six week package off the market. Um, so we're we're going to be doing something very different. So either way, I offer individual level and and I will be to and I'm offering group just to to target some of the mental health needs around um, the coronavirus. And I'm providing that right now we're doing we're doing it with magnified, which the next time we open up a session, you know, I'll be sure to sure to tag you. Um, I've paired up with yeah, a number. Of, I've paired up with a number of other groups of uh, i have the honor of being part of the global health public global public health experts for on frontiers so we're going to be looking at we're i'm just going to be looking at where wherever i could deliver service that people could just press one little button and go or you know just you know triage need and do immediate need services and and you know offer my dating my dating stuff also in modified versions but anyway it's i'm gonna put my site clarissasilva.com will have you know right now we're working through everything so it will have different options for people that want to get different things um is that the best so, place to find out about your programs as they're developing is that the yeah but you have a new podcast that you're about to launch right clarissa yes i i i've been wanting to launch the podcast forever and I just constantly had get delayed. So anyway, what's, what's yes, it called? The, it's called love and BS lab. <laughs> cool. Like, <love laughs> and where can people learn more about it or like stay on their radar for when you do launch? So I will have that 
right now it's on, I'm using Anchor as the platform and distribution center. So I will be um, creating a link for it on my blog too. Well, it's really cool. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people who are listening are really curious about learning about your method and working with you. Um, I'm really curious, especially as this um, continues and develops just to see how I can, I don't know, work alongside this situation to date better and to be my best self. So um, I'm definitely going to be checking you out and I will be linking um, uh, Clarissa's website and her information in the description of the podcast. If you guys are listening on Podbean right now, Um, if not, you can head on over to um, any of our socials, um, which is at Kelly's Pool Hall to learn more about Clarissa and her work. So thank Clarissa, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about this crazy time. It's been really enlightening and a little (laughs) terrifying. Um, But I mean, it was so great to connect with you. Thank you for being here. here. Thank you. Thank you for making this available to people. This is incredible of you. Thank you. Let's, let's, let's hope it brings people some community and connection. Fingers crossed. All right, guys, uh, that's it for this episode of hashtag single. We will catch you next time. (laughs) 